Hello and welcome. Mellonfortli Samwege have been organizing a run in solidarity with the Palestinians' rights to movement. And in this podcast, we will delve a little bit deeper into the thought behind this run. To do so, we have interviewed two Palestinians who are doing important work in that respect. To start out, we will speak with Diala Isid, one of the co-founders of the Right to Movement Palestine. She will be talking about how this movement came about and the significance it has had for the Palestinians and Palestinian women in particular. Conducting this interview will be Thea Bissu. Hi everybody, uh, my name is Tia uh, and I'm a volunteer here in Melanfoli Sambiege Aarhus um, and this is a part of our podcast series uh, about Palestine and today we are talking with uh, Diala Isid, uh, the co-founder of the Right to Movement uh, who will tell us about the restrictions of movement uh, of Palestinian people under Israeli occupation. Um, hi Diala, thank you for being here today. Hi, thank, thank you for inviting me. Um, can I get you to introduce yourself uh, and what the, the movement is about uh, and your involvement in it? Yeah, um, so my name is Dial Asid. I'm from uh, Bethlehem, from Palestine. Uh, uh, I lived my whole life there. I'm currently doing my master's like in the UK, so I'm not currently there. Um, right to Movement started in 2012. When we uh, thought about it, the first thought was to first thought was to start a marathon that can attract people to come and run in Palestine and do like a, a full marathon, which is like 42 kilometers distance. And that was the, the first thought when we, uh, when, we began, like, when we began thinking about this movement. And we uh, organized the first Palestine marathon in 2013. And together with the marathon, we started uh, thinking about having running groups to train for the race, to engage the local community in Bethlehem and in Palestine to uh, train. And also at the same time, like to know that this kind of event is happening in the town and that we're trying to attract internationals to come to Palestine and to see Palestine from the, eye, from the eyes of Palestinians. Um, why did you choose running as a way of, of telling uh, your story about Palestine? Uh, we chose running as a way um, of telling our story. First, because running is a um, universal language. So anyone can get like a message when it's like um, accompanied with like sports or something like that. And also because uh, like running for a cause is something that now like people are doing and like are getting into. And we thought it's like it's the first, the first um, uh, um, uh, initiative in Palestine to include uh, running and at the same time uh, doing it for a cause, which is like the right uh, of movement uh, for the Palestinians. That's why we chose running. And um, at the same time, when we um, when we started doing it, we thought like sports is a is a great tool. As I mentioned, it's It's just like universal, anyone can understand it. And, um, and when we wanted to do, uh, when we started organizing the Palestine Marathon, we, uh, we thought of like why people travel to visit places, probably like for religious reasons, they visit Palestine or just like for political reasons. But we wanted other people who are interested in other stuff like running and sports to come to Palestine to run like a normal, It's supposed to be like a normal marathon, but when they come and run it, they see the difference between running anywhere around the world and running and doing sports in Palestine. And at the same time, uh, our group, uh, we started like a running, which is like a training group, which is called Right to Movement. And why, do, why did we call it Right to Movement? It's because we actually uh, lack the basic human right of freedom of movement in Palestine. And um, when we started in Bethlehem, the first running training group, and then we had the idea of um, expanding and having different training groups all over Palestine. And the, the, the aim of it is first to train for the marathon and to 
um, tell the local, the local community and everyone else is that we are the people who are like running to uh, raise awareness about the basic human rights that we lack here. This is the first aim. The second aim was to empower women uh, to do sports in the streets because in Palestine, that wasn't something common or acceptable when we started uh, nine years ago. It was something that is like people will look at you when you're a female and running in the street, they will think, what is she doing? But right now, like with our movement, you see that women are empowered, they are like inspired and they understand that it's like normal to run the street. At the same time, people and people and anyone else in the local community, they're accepting women to be doing this kind of sport in the street. And also the third aim was to connect the Palestinians who live in the West Bank and also the Palestinians who live in, in, the, in the 48 lands in, in Jerusalem, in Haifa, in Akka, in Nazareth, and all of them, because we are separated, we are not connected, we, we don't have the freedom of movement to meet and to see each other. So our movement connected the Palestinians together uh, because we have the same beliefs and we share the same values and we, we want to run for the freedom of uh, Palestine. Amazing. And uh, that sounds like a free, a great aims for, for a movement like yours. Um, I know that the Palestine Marathon um, have gotten a lot bigger uh, lately. Um, and this year there's some, some issues due to the COVID crisis, but can you walk me through the, the history of the movement uh, and how the marathon and, and the uh, right to move uh, to movement uh, is, uh, is connected? Yeah. Um, so when when we thought about like doing a, a marathon that is like in high standards in Palestine, and of course for the first time, it's like we, you face a lot of challenges to do so. And we uh, organized the first one in 2013. But when we wanted to search for this distance of 42 kilometers, uh, it was impossible to find like a continuous track of 42 kilometers uh, to run on in, in the streets of Palestine without being, uh, without facing the wall or facing an Israeli checkpoint or even going on a land that uh, we can't um, control or we can't close because Palestine, the, actually the West Bank, is uh, uh, separated into three, divided into three uh, lands, area A, area B, and, and area C. And when we wanted to do a marathon, we have to also close the roads, be able to control and close the streets so that the runners can take on. Um, we can do that only in area A. So when we looked for a 42 kilometers distance in area A in Bethlehem, the only uh, uh, distance that we could find is 10 kilometers. So any runner who want to do the full marathon, they have to run the same road four times in order to finish the marathon. And if they want to do half marathon, they have to run the same road two times to finish the marathon. So from here, you, you know, like the story of how, why we call it like right to movement. And when we, um, when we organized like the first, the first one, only 600 people participated, but then it grew until like 2016 was the last one that right to movement organized. And we had around 4,100 4, runners coming from 63 countries, which is like very impressive, yeah. And um, yeah, right now the marathon is organized by uh, Palestinian Authority, the Palestinian Olympic Co Committee, and they organize it. They um, this year they couldn't do it, of course, and last year because of COVID, COVID crisis. Yeah, but the the message from the marathon is that um, we want to be able to move freely and we want to be able to live freely and we want to be able to run freely also. And hopefully in the future, Right to Movement will be able to organize a race that will be able to cross all these uh, borders and we, will be, we won't have any borders and we will be able to run from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And yeah, so this is the, the future, hopefully. Amazing. 
that would be something special. Um, you you said that the Palestinian was it the Olympic Committee. Yeah. Uh, how come uh, they are the ones who who are um, organizing the the run now? Yeah, um, a lot of issues happened in in the last couple of years. Um, like the Palestine Olympic Committee, they were our uh, partners from day one when we thought about the marathon because you can't do any uh, race in Palestine without having them involved. And um, Right to Movement is a, was a Palestinian and also a Danish initiative, which we, uh, of course, like uh, uh, we had no idea how to organize a marathon. So we had to learn from experienced people who already organized marathons and they already know like how to do all the timing system, for example, or like leaderboard or like anything, uh, including like uh, putting water for runners, like from the simplest thing to the largest thing in the marathon. Yeah, and they were partners with us the whole first four years, but um, unfortunately the last year they thought that uh, it, the marathon got really big and it's better if they organize it uh, and not a small movement like us. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's what happened and uh, they took over and right now, yeah, they're organizing it. Yes, um, it's difficult to do an interview like this without uh, touching down on the COVID crisis and we've, of course, already talked a little bit about it. Um, so how have the, the COVID crisis uh, affected the uh, the, the current situation around the run um, and the participants of the run? Um, as I mentioned before, like we have now nine running groups all over Palestine. They, they, they train weekly, on a weekly basis, like one time or two times or even three times in some groups. Uh, of course, like the COVID crisis affected us a lot because we, we were always like gathering and doing like indoor activities or yoga activities. So we had to stop and of course like think about like the safety measures that we have to take and uh, luckily we, we were still able to do the outdoor runs because outdoors you just meet in the, at the beginning and take a picture you can wear masks and then you, when you take off you can take off your mask but yeah other than that like the yoga and the indoor indoor sessions some of them we were able to, to move them outdoors to do these activities but um, on the other side, we uh, usually do other activities, like big activities in Palestine, like hiking, which includes like going to uh, uh, different like villages and co visiting communities and helping some communities that are like a little bit like you, you don't go there like on your normal day. So we were not able to do any of these activities or these hikes because it's just difficult to uh, gather uh, 200 or 100 people to go on hike because usually our hikes are very popular so pe many people would register and you can't put 50 people in in buses and then transport them from one place to another so we we had to like cancel pretty much some of our events for the past year that includes like big amount big amount of number and uh, other than that uh, yeah, what we're trying to do like on the social media and everything else, like we, we were still like able to do it. And of course we moved uh, some of our workouts to Zoom, <laughs> like strength workouts and things like that. But yeah, we, we, were, we tried our best to keep the spirit of the community high because we, at the end we are like a community that we care about everyone in the group and we want everyone to be safe and at the same time to be active and to to keep spreading our message yeah perfect it sounds like you've been uh, quite creative uh, in trying to to work out how to to still have some activities yeah um do you have anything else that you would like to uh, to add um mm. <laughs> yeah so in our group, we um, we try to always uh, deliver like uh, messages to the society and also from the society. Like our slogan is, we run to tell a different story because 
uh, we want to tell a different story to the whole world. And at the same time, we want to uh, change our community and society to be uh, the best and to, to uh, like improve and to, for example, like empowering women is something that we always like, we'll talk, we will be talking about like women's rights and inspiring women to be able to do whatever they want. And other societal messages that we always try to deliver is, for example, we initiated a campaign, it's called Plugging, uh, Plugging Palestine. The idea behind is that we, um, we run and at the same time we collect the trash from the street while, we, while we're running because we, we care about our Palestine and we want Palestine to be clean at the same, at the same time. Uh, as, as much as we care about our houses to be clean, we, we should also try to, to uh, advocate for also having the streets clean. And so we, we had some campaigns in the past and until now, a few days ago, we organized the campaign in Batir uh, so people can walk and at the same time collect the trash from that, uh, from that hiking path. And yeah, th th that's our group. Like we, uh, we wanna deliver messages, uh, positive messages about Palestine and also positive message messages to our society to change it always for the best. That's amazing. Uh, you were talking about um, fighting for, for women's rights in sports, uh, and I think that's a, that's a very important uh, issue. Um, do, do you find uh, any difference uh, in, uh, in being a female runner compared to your, your uh, male counterparts? Yeah. Um, when, when, I was, when I started running, I, I felt a little bit weird because it's just like, it's an activity that makes you feel free, that you feel like you can fly. But at the same time, when when you when I started doing it like in the street, like the the looks from the people just like looking at you and like beeping at you while they're like driving their cars, and it was a little bit devastating. Like it's difficult for 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 me. It was difficult for me at the beginning, and of course, like I had the support of my family, and at the same time, the support of the group. Because whenever we were, whenever I was about to go for a run, it was with the group and with other females and with other males, and um, you can't imagine like how now, like I feel very safe and very normal, and and I don't feel that I have to run with anyone. I can run by, by myself whenever I want, which 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 means that the aim is to to empower the females is working, and I tell you that other females in the group. They joined the group. At the beginning, they were feeling a little bit down or they, they were feeling that they have to be with someone. But right now, they're not only running by this, they're also inspiring others to run. So the, the first generation of right to movement is empowering the second and the third, and which is, like, which is great. That is the, this is the chain that is happening. That everyone at the, at the end is inspiring the person behind them. That's an amazing progress. Uh, definitely proves that there's some power in, in community and in sports uh, to change things. Yeah. Perfect. It's, uh, it's been really amazing talking to you, Diana. Um, and thank you for, for lending us your time. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Next, we will be talking to Wissam Shweki. He is the Global Platform Manager at ActionAid Palestine where he is inspiring the next generation of Palestinian youth to work for a more just and sustainable world. Conducting this interview will be Mass Dale. Welcome, my name is Mass. I'm from uh, ActionAid Denmark, or Mellemfolk i Samvirke, uh, in the global platform in Aarhus. Um, and today we have uh, Wissam Shweki from um, from ActionAid Palestine, who is the, the manager of the global platform Palestine, um, who's going to tell us a little bit about his work and, and what uh, ActionAid Palestine is doing and also around the, the global platform. And particular also with regards to what uh, what is the Palestinian issues, and especially with regards to movement and restrictions of, of movement. Um, it's going to be a conversation for maybe 45 minutes or, or half an hour on, on these topics. Um, 
and it's not going to be me talking very much, so uh, <laughs> you'd be happy about that. Um, um, but yeah, so I just want to say thank you very much to Wisam for, for making this happen. Um, it's very lovely to see you and hear you. Um, and um, can you maybe just say a few words about yourself? Um, um, you know, what, what's, what's your name, Wisam? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Mas. Uh, thank you for uh, reaching out to me and thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I'm Wisam, Sam Shweki, uh, the manager of the global platform at uh, ActionAid uh, Palestine. Started working with ActionAid since uh, 2016 as a manager for a project in uh, in Hebron uh, to increase the resilience of young women and young uh, men in the far uh, districts of Area C around uh, around Hebron Governorate. 2017, I started to be the global platform manager and uh, I'm managing the global platform since uh, July 2017. And actually I'm the first local manager for the global platform. Everyone before me were from from Denmark. So I'm the first local manager or for the, the first local who take that position. Uh, a quick, uh, I have a master's degree in international studies and um, I've been working in uh, as a human rights defender since uh, officially working on that uh, field of work since 2005. Started my work with a Canadian organization called Try to Play. Then I continued with Palestinian NGOs. Uh, I worked as a consultant for uh, for some uh, parts of my life. And uh, I am an international uh, certified trainer on using uh, sports for development. Um, yeah, and uh, about Action Aid. Yeah, Action Aid Palestine started, uh, started since 2007, officially registered in Palestine in, uh, I guess, June 2008. And uh, similar to the, the uh, all action aid members in the federation adopting uh, the HRPA and fighting uh, for the right for the for the rights of the people who are less privileged in Palestine have three main strategic objectives. First objective is to uh, support the Palestinian right to determine their own destination, uh, enhance uh, uh, women's rights, and empower. Women's with the focus on young women and uh, working with 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 youth and young uh, and young people. Uh, the work was focused on the south part of uh, of, of the West Bank, but after that uh, we started a humanitarian project in in Gaza. And since uh, <coughs> the global platform is located in Bethlehem City, I'm going to come to the global platform. Uh, and uh, recently, in 2020, we started a new branch in, in Ramallah for the for the global platform, which is an extension for action aid work in the middle and the Jordan Valley, uh, the Jordan Valley uh, area. So we have the humanitarian project in in Gaza, and we have the development projects in uh, in the West Bank for the global platform. The GP in Palestine started at the late 2014. Uh, based on an initiative from Action Aid Denmark at that time, which is to uh, build on the work of Action Aid uh, in Palestine by investing in the capacities of uh, of young people uh, and contributing to uh, enhance the skills and gaining the the knowledge for young people through the participatory approach that the global platform uh, is uh, is using. Uh, the GP is doing uh, an important uh, role in Palestine, and there's not a lot of uh, interactive uh, capacity building spaces in Palestine. Uh, it's more of a capacity building center, a youth hub for young people, and it's also uh, part of uh, the youth network now in, in, in Palestine. We managed to build a very good uh, reputation among Palestinian young uh, people. We have partnerships with uh, universities and with other youth, uh, youth networks. Uh, we train every year between 600 to 800 young Palestinians and between 100 to 150 uh, internationals uh, as part of the global contact uh, projects. 
as if uh, some of them come through groups, uh, summer courses or, uh, uh, or autumn courses, and some of them come individuals and do voluntary work and we're the one who are responsible for the uh, uh, orientation, the coordination for their placement, following up uh, for their work and uh, providing different kind of uh, support for the local volunteers and for the inter national uh, volunteers. From my opinion, what we are doing is very important because in Palestine, there's one thing that we cannot uh, afford losing, which is, which is hope. And because of the complicity of the Palestinian situation, most of them, all of the Palestinian young people born under, under occupation and they're facing difficulties on the political level, on the social level, and the economical level. The educational system is very poor. The health system is very poor. There's not a lot of opportunities. So the level of depression among young people is really high. So having this window with the global platform and similar organizations that provide these services for, for the young Palestinians are really a window to, uh, to restore hope among young Palestinians and equip them with uh, uh, knowledge based on their experiences and their needs and building on their strength and, uh, and knowledge and working together and in enhancing the principles, important principles like respect and human rights and feminism is, is really important. And it, it started to pay off. It started to pay off. You will find this year is an election year in Palestine. Uh, we have uh, parliament elections on the 22nd of May and uh, presidential elections on the 23rd of, uh, of July. And uh, the main talk now in the street is what can young people do? And actually, now we have been registered as a monitoring, an official monitoring international organization for the elections. And we have 60 young people registered and licensed now to monitor and watch the, uh, the Palestinian election. So it's, it's, uh, uh, I really believe in what we are doing. Uh, I know that uh, uh, the picture on the ground is not that uh, pretty, but we're doing our best and we're contributing as much as we can. Um, cool. I mean, I think if you can, like, because I think for some people, just the, the idea of a global platform is, is a little bit, like, um, um, difficult to see. But can you describe, like, what does it look like? What kind of people come there? Like, what is, what is a normal day on a global platform? Yeah, the, the global platform, simply, it's, it's a safe environment for young people to interact and learn from each other. It's, it's, it's uh, physically, it's, it's a building in the central uh, of, of Bethlehem. We have uh, six trainers, three, three male trainers, three female trainers. And uh, on a daily basis, we are interacting with the young people from universities and from the surrounding areas. And sometimes we go for the uh, uh, young people in their, in, in their communities if they cannot reach us. So it's, it's an interactive uh, hub where young people are there all the time. A normal day in the global platform, we have three busy rooms one for the training and one for the youth hub activities and one for planning young young people in the garden uh, discussing with each other people coming and visiting uh, uh, we have back to back trainings every week and as a result for these trainings young people come up with ideas for campaigns for initiatives for activities to implement in their community which is in most cases they don't have uh, enough support to implement it. So an extended role for, our, for, for our, what we are doing is to provide technical and sometimes financial support for, for young people to use the skills and the knowledge that they gain from these trainings and the, from the discussions and from the activities that they are doing uh, with each other in order to create a positive change on the ground in their in their uh, uh, in, the, in their communities. So uh, it is... Uh, 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 a, a very uh, uh, dynamic, interesting uh, uh, place where young people are there all the time, noisy, uh, happy, sometimes crazy, uh, but that's what, uh, like what young people are all, all about. So what is important, and actually we have, we have been asking this question, for uh, some of our volunteers and uh, uh, 
interns and the people who come and receive the trainings or come to the global platform to spend some time. What is unique uh, about what we are doing? Because yes, there is, we, are, we are not the only one in this field. There's a lot of other local and international organizations. There is training hubs. There is other youth hubs in, in Palestine, uh, which is safety. They feel safe. Uh, emotionally, uh, the place is open for different uh, uh, colors. And in Palestine, when we are talking about colors, political colors. So they are fat because everyone in Palestine is politicized, whether uh, from, from Fatah, from Hamas, from the FLP, from different political parties, from religious background, young men, young women, people from the refugee camps, from the villages, from the cities, despite of their level of education, where we develop tools to uh, match the skills for, uh, for everyone. So the safe environment, the respect, the positive vibrant in the place, which is enhances people to come and come again. And uh, during COVID-19, uh, also, uh, I would say more than 300 from our trainees were part of the uh, uh, local and national emergency committees. And they went there and the volunteers. And we've been from the first responders from, from the first day. And that shows the level of responsibility among, among the young people and mainly the young people that we are, we are dealing with. All right. Um, and I mean, I think that's, that's quite interesting how it's like uh, very much a, a political hub in many senses. Um, and I mean, I, there also, I guess there's a lot of issues from, I don't know, anything from collecting garbage to, you know, doing political campaigns. But um, when, as, as I said, we, we are about to do this, this, um, this solidarity run in Aarhus, uh, which is trying to connect to the, to the run in um, the, the rights movement run that's been in, in, in Palestine. But um, why is a run important? Why, uh, why is uh, the right to movement important for the Palestinians? Uh, if, if you go to the right to movement uh, website, you will find an interesting story. They started the run, the run to, tell, to tell stories about the different communities and the different culture. And the first thing, the first thing come to your mind when you come to Palestine, when you arrive in the airport uh, in Tel Aviv, see the modern city, everything. Then you move to the West Bank and start crossing checkpoints and gates and seeing uh, the blocks uh, on the roads and the restriction of movement and the difficulties for, for people to move freely between the main Palestinian cities, between the main cities and the villages around. And even inside the cities uh, itself, as an example, when you go to Hebron and you see the old city and you see the uh, the gates and the metal detectors uh, uh, everywhere inside inside the old city, so the story that the right movement can can really tell about Palestine that this place on earth now in the twenty first century, when the right to movement is something is being taken for granted in other parts of the world. In Palestine, people are still facing difficulties, huge difficulties to move freely in Palestine and that based on the occupation. You can imagine, and uh, in, uh, the whole historical Palestine is 20,000 uh, uh, square, square meter. Uh, the part of the West Bank is not more than 18% of, 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 of that scale. And there is seven, according to OCHA report, in, at the end of 2018, there is 700 movement obstacles, actually 705, 705 obstacles in, 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 uh, in the, inside the West Bank that put restrictions on, on people movement. There's 64 six, uh, fixed checkpoints. There is 76 Parchery checkpoint. There's more than 107 uh, flying checkpoints, which is uh, 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 flying checkpoints. That's a local term that we use when uh, a military jeep can stop every anywhere and stop, st uh, like stop people from moving and starting to check for IDs and for political backgrounds. And a lot of people is being arrested and harassed uh, uh, on, on on these checkpoints. So yes. It is, it is important to run for freedom, to, the, to run for the freedom of movement. That theme is important in Palestine more than any other place. So, so would you, so the people, the, the young people that come to, to your, um, to, to the GP, 
Um, are they are they often affected by um, by restrictions on movement? My friend, everyone in Palestine is affected by uh, by restrictions of uh, of movement. Bethlehem is uh, uh, considered in the south area of uh, of of the West Bank, and it's a small city with. Uh, 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 to the south of uh, of Bethlehem, there is Hebron. To the north of Bethlehem, there is Jerusalem. To the east of Bethlehem, you go to Jericho and to the Jordan Valley. And you, if you kept going to the north, you can reach Ramallah and Nablus and and these and these areas. And when you can imagine, in these small locations, there is. 64 checkpoints, main checkpoints on the road. So most of the students that they come to the to Bethlehem outside from the city itself, which is most of the participants are really are outside from the Bethlehem city outside, they have to cross checkpoints on 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 daily basis, and that's why uh, uh, normal days, not in COVID-19 uh, era now, uh, we keep the participants in our uh, dorms for five days to uh, uh, avoid them from moving from their houses and come on daily basis to the training. So we have dorms and we provide meals for them. And we try to create that sense of learning culture for five days and sometimes for 10 days when it's when it's a, a DOT in order at least for that amount of time to move the, the mentality of the people from the difficulties of the outward and to make it pure and clear for, for learning and for education and to become ready and to build the resilience to face such such situation. Me, myself, I live in Jericho, which is 48 kilometers from Bethlehem, which is usually should not take me than 30, 35 minutes driving in my car to, uh, to the global platform in Bethlehem. I have to cross like three checkpoints, one fixed one, which is called a uh, container checkpoint. And sometimes it takes five minutes to pass. Sometimes it takes three hours to pass the checkpoint. You never know. Like this is, this is, this is the crazy about it. Like to cross 48 kilometers between Jericho and Bethlehem. And when you look at that in Google Maps and say, I'm going to need to go to reach this place and to build a route on, uh, on on my mobile, yes, yeah, so it's 35 minutes, it's, you, you're gonna be there. That's according to the normal situation. I remember one of these days, it took me eight hours to reach to reach my house because there has been, uh, 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 they closed that checkpoint. And when you ask why they always have this reason for political, for political reason. And if you add to that, the villages, in Area C, which is totally under the control of the Israelis, not under the control of the Palestinian Authority, uh, they, uh, they need to take public transportation and to cross more checkpoints and pass by special roads that is made for settlements, illegal settlements that build on the lands of the Palestinians. So they have to travel on these roads. It's not safe. And actually the, uh, the violence from the Israeli settlers in the last two years now is is, is horrifying. The, they attack most of the Palestinian cars that they move after dark. So we, we try to stop moving before the darkness because we are not safe because of the checkpoints, the Israeli soldiers and the settlers that are protected by the Israeli soldiers. Mm. So yes, it, it, it affects, if not all, most of the participants that they come to the GP. All right, all right. and. The whole movement thing is, is an issue. And then, I mean, can you touch a little bit upon what Corona then has had of effects? I mean, because when, you know, in other countries, if there's a lockdown or something, then, you know, you stop movement as well. But what about, has that exacerbated? Or, I mean, how big is the, we talked a little bit before, but how, how big is the problem of, of Corona in the, in the West Bank, let's say? It it, it makes things uh, even, even more complicated. Uh, uh, we have uh, the Palestinian uh, government, which is the Palestinian Authority, that controls only 11 of the main, of the main big cities in, in in the West Bank, and that's 18 uh, percent of the historical Palestine, and 62 percent of the uh, West Bank is considered as Area C, which is Palestinians are living in, but the Palestinian Authority has no control there. They don't provide health services. Uh, uh, for security and for administrative administrative uh, uh, services, 
they cannot they cannot provide uh, uh, that for for the Palestinians. So you can imagine adding to all the complications because of uh, occupation and the restriction of movement with the COVID-19 and uh, uh, I would say that no one in the world was ready for COVID-19, but at least there has been health systems and the people made plans and they tried to adapt and put uh, alternative plans in order to face the pandemic all over the world. But uh, lockdown, for full two months, then uh, a health uh, protocol, which has kept people even more uh, in their houses. Most of the teaching uh, in the universities and schools moved to online uh, classes for, for, for education, but take in consideration that not all of the Palestinians has internet in their houses. If you go to ORSC, some, some of these locations, they don't have uh, access to internet even if they want to if they can afford buying buying the service uh, they don't have access to uh, electricity in some of these in these locations and the, uh, the the educational system was not was not ready the health system is 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 very is very poor so adding to all that the uh, the the emotional and uh, the health fear that came up with the pandemic it make it very complicated we tried and uh, we uh, conducted uh, 24 online trainings in 2020, uh, reached out for more than uh, 360 young uh, Palestinians, uh, men, uh, young men and young women. And uh, we organized uh, 42 local initiatives. Everything, everything was uh, uh, being done uh, online. We've been part of the emergency committees, young Palestinians, like we provided the training, for young people, in cooperation with the civil with the civil defense, we uh, we launched uh, awareness raising. We arranged social backup uh, uh, system with the Ministry of Social Affairs and with some of uh, specialists in, in Palestine in order to contribute to the uh, welfare of of the Palestinians. But the picture is really uh, dark. Uh, people are starting to losing it. Uh, one day after one day, the uh, number of infections are increasing. People are upset with the government, upset with the occupation. The level of domestic violence uh, mass increased in an unbelievable way. Like people feel depressed, uh, they cannot go to work, they cannot. And in Denmark and in other urban countries, it's different. When you don't go to work, you have a, a, a system that backs you up. Yeah. Uh, but in Palestine, we don't we don't have that system. So if you don't work, that means you cannot bring money to support your family. Then that people, some of people have to break the, uh, the lockdown in order to go and work and bring food to their families. Uh, now with the vaccination issue in, in Israel, five million out of the nine million Israelis has been vaccinated. In Palestine, 12,000 out of the five million Palestinians has been vaccinated. So uh, it is making it complicated. Uh, we lost so many uh, friends, beloved ones because of COVID-19 and uh, emotionally, uh, People are facing difficult situation, and health-wise, it is even more scary hmm. for everyone. Yeah, and I mean, there's so many issues with that. But like, as you say yourself, you you work mostly with young people who are really targeted by by the corona, but also the restriction issues. Um, and now the elections are coming up. Um, um, I mean, how do you? Um, um, how do how do young people uh, go? I mean, how, go about these days? Uh, are they interested in politics? Are they just interested in you know getting food on the table? Um, um, can they um, can they engage in politics? How how can you work with them? And how's how's your feeling with the with your yeah, what do you call that a community at the moment? Okay, that part uh, that was part of a, a workshop discussion actually we we held yesterday. Uh, around uh, like 70 young people, we met with different political party members and with the Central Election Committee. And uh, I'm, I'm saying 70 young people, like 70 leaders of 
the young people of of Palestine, the ones who are working with Action Aid, the ones who are uh, from Activista members, from Rijan members, and from other uh, committees and youth networks in in Palestine. I would say they have been ranked into three levels. Uh, the first level, the depressed one, they lost belief in everything. They lost belief in the cause. They lost belief in the system. They don't believe in any political party, especially after the Palestinian internal division since 2007. We are talking now about 14 years without 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 elections in Palestine. So they don't believe in anyone. So that's 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 one that's one level. The second level is the ones who hope for uh, uh, things to change, but they are not willing to take action. And then there is the third level, which is uh, important, and we are working to enhance and increase and to widen their reach and their influence on other on other young people. That young people are be believing in in change and they are fighting uh, with. Uh, <coughs> traditions, with uh, uh, old political party mentalities, with uh, occupation, with uh, diffi economic difficulties, and they are trying to raise their voice to a level that at least it can be heard. And they know that that change will not happen between, between a night and day, and it's going to take time, and they need to fight hard, hard for that. But yes, there is there is a level of participation now. There is uh, uh, the system in, in the elections in uh, in Palestine is based on groups, and now a young uh, one hundred and fifty young men in Palestine are trying to build an alliance and to go for the elections under the name of Palestine Youth without any political party, and they are working under a huge pressure from all the political parties that are trying to gain them to their, to their, to their side. But uh, that's an indicator that there is still hope and uh, those young people are willing to take that chance and they want to uh, uh, build their own future with their hands. They don't want to stay sitting in the bus. They want to be behind the wheel and steer, steer the bus. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take time. The laws, the bylaws for the laws in uh, the bylaws of the elections are not helping for that because uh, young people under 28 years old they cannot run for elections. Oh, okay. Uh, and that excluded 800 young, 800,000 young Palestinians between 18 and 20 and 28. Uh, the Palestinian, the, the young votes be between uh, uh, 18 and, and, and 35, it forms 41% of the Palestinian votes. And that's a huge, that's a huge amount of votes. And uh, now we actually, after this meeting, we are meeting with uh, uh, Action Aid partners to see what we can do to support uh, young people and women uh, in, in the coming election. Yes, we are doing awareness raising campaigns. We are supporting the ideas. We are providing the space, but the question, and they, are, and they are coming to us, they're coming to the global platform, they're coming to action. Yes, we've been working with you for so many years and you've been enhancing us to be more political, to face the change, to analyze, to build, action, to build plans and go for actions. Now is the time and we need your support. And actually, directly after this meeting, we have a meeting with the partners to discuss what kind of support we can provide for women and for young people who are running for uh, for election this year. Wow! I mean, um, I think there was there was a bit of a, a gloomy talk. I mean, there's been some 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 pretty big challenges for for Palestine. I mean. Not that that's anything new, but at least uh, I like that we are we're ending this on on somewhat of um, a positive note. Um, and I I, I do. Uh, I mean, I do, I do like the idea that there are some some young people who want to challenge some of the old issues, um, especially. I mean, how long is it since the last election? Fourteen years. That's also quite a few that, years. That yeah, actually, mo mo most of the young people who's who's still in that age range, they've never uh, voted before. So in Palestine, we we had elections at 1996, and the second election took place in 2006. And that's it since since that time. So 
if you, if you have been born in the 90s, you've never had the chance to vote or to run for elections before in Palestine. And this is the chance. And I'm telling you, there is a lot of pressure on them. Political parties are not letting go easily. The Israeli occupation are not letting go easily. You will, you, you will find a lot of uh, arresting among young people in the coming few weeks. We are expecting that and they are predicting that. And despite of all of that, they want to they wanna take that chance. Uh, as I mentioned, the bylaws, it asks for from each list that's going to go and run for elections to pay a fees of $20,000, 20,000 US dollars. And taking in consideration the economical situation that most, like 48 of the young Palestinians are unemployed. <laughs> so asking that amount of money from them to register to run for election, that's a huge amount of money. I've been debating with the Palestinian government and with the Central Election Committee on that and said like, this time we don't have uh, time to change it. After the parliament is being elected, you can go for the parliament and ask them to change the law. It's not part of, of, of our job. Okay. And the political parties are using that point to asking young people to join us and we can take care of the money part. Wow, okay. That also seems like a bit of a, um, a restriction. Um, just last question for me, Wissam. Are you, are you running for, for, for president of, uh, of Palestine? Oh, not, not this year. Okay. Not this year. All right. this year. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time and your like um, elucidations of some of the issues and the struggles of, of the Palestinians at the moment. Is there anything you feel like you need to add or something that you didn't really go into or something um, here in the end? Uh, yes, maybe, maybe one thing to add. Uh, um, the, through the, all the history of, of the Palestinian cause, uh, solidarity was an important element to uh, give the strength to the people of Palestine. And uh, through the global contact uh, volunteers and through different kind of uh, individuals or group who came to Palestine in the last years in sense of solidarity and learned about the political situation and lived with the young Palestinians, lived their lives, uh, learned about the situation. Some of them became really believers and fought their fights and that, gives young Palestinians in general and young Palestinians particularly a sense that you are not alone. So thank you for organizing uh, uh, the run. Thank you for taking this consideration. And it, it's important for us as Palestinians and it's more important for young people that to know that they are not alone and there is other, other people in the world cares about them and raising their voice and talking about, about their rights. So thank you very much. Well, you don't need to thank us, but uh, I'm very happy that at least you know about this. And um, um, then I hope I, it's okay if I uh, contact you again. I think we really need to follow the elections. And I think it'd be really cool to hear more about the young people um, and their political ambitions. Um, so um, I'll contact you again. Uh, but for now, thank you so much for your time and, and all the best uh, here uh, from us. You are more than welcome. And uh, you, you or other interested people in Denmark, can attend some of the debate sessions that we're going to organize via Zoom and we, we can provide direct translation. So you are interested. Wonderful. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Thank you for listening in. We hope you will be tuning in again for future podcasts. And remember, you can always find us on all social media platforms if you are curious about what we are up to. See you next time.